This is The Real Magic Podcast. Learn about great design and use it to get great results. Now your hosts, Greg Merrilies and Alan Nunez. Hello, listener, and thank you for joining Alan and I today for The Real Magic Design Podcast, where we try to unpack our knowledge and our experience to help designers and business owners understand how to create amazing designs and work together to make design that is profitable. I'm Greg from Studio One Design, and here's my co-host alan from pixel partners hq how are you buddy i'm good mate I'm, I'm glad you didn't read the script as per it's written because you would have said that you were alan from pixel partners <laughs> that's true <laughs> mate i'm excited to be here uh you and i have been lucky enough to spend three whole days together at a live event yeah man that was killer it was awesome wasn't it we're going to do a little breakdown of the event, our, yeah. our learnings. Uh, well, actually, we're going to do a breakdown of the main event, which was two days. You and I were lucky enough to go to the exclusive day uh, and hang out with the speakers and a bunch of really high-level business owners and do a little mastermind day. That was yeah. great, wasn't it? That was killer as well, man. Yep, absolutely. Loved it. So, yeah, I'm from Melbourne. You're from Sydney, and the event was in Sydney. And, um, yeah, man, it was just such an amazing event. I think the, the thing that... It was so different about this event. It's a no sales pitch event. Um, so, you know, James Shramko from superfastbusiness.com, he hosted this event. He invited 16 experts from around the world. Everybody flies over. Not They don't get paid either, and they can't pitch. So <laughs> it's quite a unique event, and it's really good from a user's perspective. Yeah, look, I mean, he makes sure it is jam-packed full of value. Uh, the event's Superfast Business Live, so obviously he's just had this year's one. So uh, if you're interested in getting a grip on uh, how to grow your business, make more profit, and be a very, very savvy and smart marketer, he has some of the top names in the world in their industries there. Funnily enough, not everybody would know some of these names. They're often work behind the scenes. I mean, one of the guests has done social media campaigns for the US president, you know, mm. so there's some pretty cool people in there. So what we're going to do today, actually, before we get into this week's episode, should we even ask what we've been up to? I mean... Well, that's what I've been up to. But I want to mention, though, the unique thing about this event is that he invites all the guests to go surfing. James Franco does. And he does. And it's awesome. Isn't it amazing? So that's what we all did. And you and I, uh, well, I went twice, but um, it's just incredible, an incredible you know, thing to do surfing for one. Um, but in Manly, it's just a beautiful place, beautiful warm weather, warm water. It was a fantastic thing to do, man. Yeah, look, I think it's, it's all about lifestyle by design, yeah. you know, and, and I think that for him, that's his passion. It's it's something that breaks him away from his business. And, and he said it many times, you know, like when you find something like that that you can be passionate about and your business is run well enough that you don't have to be, you know, at the computer 24-7, your business can grow in leaps and bounds. He, he says all the time he gets inspiration while he's out there surfing. So, you know, I guess it's a great way to connect his passions with his business. Exactly. I mean, I've been doing the same thing. We've been at that event. To be honest, I was a little tired. You were lucky enough to be staying in the hotel where the event was and I had to drive and you say it was in Sydney, but for anybody who lives in Sydney, they know that in rush hour traffic, it can be a I live just outside the CBD. It can be about two hours to get to Manly in traffic. So uh, <laughs> I was leaving very, very, very early and getting home very late, but it was worth it. 
And and you lost your voice. I did lose my voice. I lost my <laughs> voice on the last day. That's not like me. <laughs> and actually, that's a good point. We're recording this just after the event because I lost my voice. We were planning to record it <laughs> on the last day, but I, I couldn't talk. So mm. what we're going to do is we're going to run through each of the speakers and just really briefly give an extract of the one thing or the couple of things that, that you and I both agreed were the most powerful things that those speakers spoke about. Look, if you're interested in finding out more, if you become, and, and look, this is not, we're not affiliates, we don't get any commission for anything like this, but it's a great place. You can go to superfastbusiness.com and you can join as a member. And in there, James will be posting a l- recordings of all of these. He has recordings of all of his live events that he's had over the last, what, 10 years? Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's huge huge value in in those and i mean community is fabulous as well so you go sounds like a sales pitch let's talk about the speakers <laughs> it does i don't want it to sound like a sales pitch but it is a great it is a great bunch of people so, oh it's amazing yeah. let's yeah. uh let's get into it who are we going to do first all right so the first speaker was james reynolds from seopartner.com and uh yeah he's is an absolute genius he's based in dubai but yeah he just gave a few tips on things that are really working in the seo world these days and uh, al you want to just jump in yeah look seo is a a complex and convoluted thing and what he did is he threw a couple of really interesting things out there the first one was that traffic or the number of people coming to your site can have an effect on the search results which is really really interesting you know especially if you're wanting to drive people to an offer that you've got for a short period of time if you can get lots of high quality traffic it'll actually push your results right up to number one potentially for a short time yeah, look, it's not permanent, but it can help you if you've got something new that you want to show the world. Yeah, and I think he mentioned there's like 200 different things that the algorithm, the Google algorithm, take into consideration when ranking a site. So that's one of them. And, and look, this none of the stuff he spoke about was theoretical. He actually showed us case studies of how they came to this result, Mm -hmm. you know, which was really, really good. Um, The other thing he was talking about was the value of linking to and from your site. Everybody knows that you've got to get good quality links to your site to get good SEO, right? You know, he reinforced that value and credibility. So you don't want dodgy links. Don't go buying links from, you know, SEO suppliers from who knows where. Um, but he also said that it seems like Google actually values if you're sending, if you're linking to a highly credible site. So if you have uh, a way to reinforce your information by linking to a very high quality source, then that's going to have a positive impact as well. Yeah, so linking out as well as in. Yeah, which has been mm. considered a no-no for a long time. You know, don't link out. It's a leakage point. Yeah. You're giving away your page rank. There's a whole heap of discussion around this. But he said it's, you know, it's very viable. And as long as it's going to somewhere credible and and I guess Google's trying to get a good user experience. You know, if the flow on of that person accessing that link is that they get value, then Google's going to reward that. Mm-hmm. And look, the last one, which is, I guess, really relevant to me personally and you is there's a thing called an authorship tag is it a tag greg is that the right term mm, for i it? don't know man it's part of the algorithm well no it's not part of the algorithm it's something you put on your site right it's an authorship markup right and what it basically does is if somebody steals your content google will lower the rank on it or disregard it because they know that you're the original author of the content right and i mean we had our the realmagic.com site hijacked 
not that long ago, didn't we? We did. And somebody stole our content and was driving like thousands of visits a day to our content, which was really bad, you know. But if we'd had the authorship mark up there, it probably would have been a little safer. Yeah, yep. I think you can do that in like Google Tag Manager or something like that. It's one of those containers that, you know, a technical guy can put on your site. Yeah, ask your tech guy. My understanding was it's actually something you embed in the site. So if somebody copies the code, it comes across with the code. Because a lot Mm -hmm. of people, when they steal the stuff, they steal all the code on the page. They don't just take the words out of the middle. So, yeah. All right, who we, who we got next? Clint Patterson. So, oh, wasn't that great? Oh, man, yeah. And he talked about storytelling and, wow, did he have an amazing story, uh, you know, of his own that he didn't go into too much detail compared to what he does in his standard keynote speech. But, man, what a story. And, and the way he told it and he broke it down um, pretty much like a Hollywood blockbuster and, and showed all the different steps that it takes in storytelling that you can use on your own website or your own video sales letter, whatever the case is, but he just really broke it down in a nice, user-friendly way. Yeah, I thought the great thing... Well, look, if you want to find out more, Clint Patterson has a TED Talk, so you can actually see him use that that formula, but he basically says that all Hollywood blockbusters have a formula to them, and they rinse and repeat the formula because they know it engages people. So Mm -hmm. if you can tell your story in the same format, then you'll get people engaged with what you've got to say. Yeah, exactly. All right, well, let, we've got 16 to get through, so we might just skip. Yeah, but, <laughs> but James Franco himself, he, he had a couple of different, you know, speeches throughout the event. And, um, yeah, this one in particular, he spoke about subscription business model. I guess what he was saying was that there is more value in a business that has a recurring billing model. Right now, we're talking design. We're talking to designers here and business owners, and a lot of people can say, oh, "But I can't do it in my industry." Right? But you've got to look, look hard. There is so many different ways to have some kind of recurring or subscription billing model within your industry. Right now, whether it's directly related to what you do, or whether you publish something else somewhere else, you know, a little mini magazine or some kind of online subscription where people get regular information or regular content. You know, what he's basically said is that there is a higher value to your business if somebody was to want to buy it if you have that recurring subscription or that, uh, yeah, recurring offer that people almost auto-bill. Yeah, so a lot of our listeners listeners are, you know, designers and, and business owners. So how, for instance, can a design business get a recurring subscription business model. You just got to think outside the box, right? So let's use, I'm going to use two examples, right? First one is one that many people will know about, which is Dollar Shave Club, right? So that's something that people normally went and they bought when they needed at the supermarket, right? But this this company's come out with a subscription model for shavers. Who would have thought it, right? So you pay whatever it is you pay and every month you get a, your fresh shavers sent to you you don't have to go and buy them but for a designer you know why not offer some kind of uh, you know design optimization element to what you do so once you've designed something you have a recurring model where your client comes back gives you feedback on how the the product or project or design went and you keep iterating for them and helping them increase their conversion elements in the in the design i mean you know i've got clients who do regular press advertising well instead of billing them for every ad we design and often they're running late and they um, don't redo the material as well as they could we just have a, a simple recurring bill for them where they know that we will design all those elements every single month for their monthly 
press campaigns or even online campaigns, you know, Google display ads. So think about what you're doing and whether or not your client could benefit from just regularly having this work done for them. Yeah, nice. And in fact, one thing we're doing as a web design business is introducing an iteration design service. So we'll take, you know, a, a home a page of your site or whatever, and we'll give you a, a new version of it and, you know, split test the two essentially. But you're not redoing the whole page. What you're doing is you're no, focusing on individual items, right? Yeah, that, that exactly. could help conversion. Yeah, so there's exactly. a great example of a design company who has come up with a way that people can pay X amount per month and know that they're going to be constantly improving what they do. Yeah, you got it. Cool. All right, next we've got oh, one of my favourites, Dan Dobos. <laughs> Why is he your favourite? Oh, I just, I really love how succinct he is with the stuff that he does. He's good, isn't he? You know, he's a very fussy person. He has very high standards, right? So uh, what I got out of out of Dan's talk, and actually this was mentioned a couple of times through the, through the event, but he was talking about the opportunity cost of constantly checking communications, you know, constantly mm. being connected, constantly being online, emails, Facebook, Skype, Slack, you know, all of those things that are disrupting our our day, right? I mean, you and I both know that feeling. Oh, 100%, man, yeah. And I love the way he just said delete everything pretty much. Well, he put a challenge out there and said, well, just the most common app that you use, just delete it off your phone for a week and see what happens, you know, and see how you might improve your productivity for that. He also said to be really tough about the opportunity costs, right? He said there's no, oh, I might, I might not. It's either hell yeah or no. Yeah, killer. Right, and there's nothing in the between. So if there's anything doesn't fall under the hell yeah, I want to do that category, just say no. Yep. Awesome. Who's next? Well, Jared Robinson. Oh, isn't he got a funny story? <laughs> oh, mate, he's hilarious, actually. I went out for dinner with him, I think, the, that night after the event. And, uh, yeah, because yeah, so basically his story is that, you know, he's like a, a case study student of James Franco's where when he came to James Franco, he had a million things that he was doing in his business and he couldn't really get much traction doing all these million things. And some of them are quite random, like, you know, creating an album that he hired some, I think it was like a Russian band to, to put a, a song together, like an entire album together for his PE community. He's done everything. He's done T-shirts, t-shirts. he's done albums, he's done apps. He's, he just had too many balls in the air. And right? he had about 80 apps. I think he's designed and developed about 80 apps. So. Ultimately, right, he had a ton of things, but he was moving a millimetre in all directions instead exactly. of moving a long way in one direction. Uh, my big takeout, and the other thing too, is he was doing it all himself. Yeah, yeah, crazy. Well, he outsourced tasks and things, but yeah, essentially he, he did mo- majority of it himself. And he was working full-time as well as a PE teacher, which was incredible. That's right. He was working full-time, running a business that made him way more money than his PE teacher salary. Look, I'm just going to get down to the one thing that really hit home for me, right, which is you know, a lot of us as business owners don't let go of things because we can't find somebody that can do it as good as we can, right? But, you know, the point he made is if you've got three people doing 50% of what you're potentially doing, it's still 100, 150%, which is still mm-hmm. more than the 100% I can offer, you know, so, so I guess it's a leverage point, you know, and that, that really reminded me just to let go of more things. And even if they can't do it quite as well, maybe a couple of people combined could and, you know, I can move on to more high-value things. Exactly. And that's what you should be doing, focusing on those high-value things. Yeah. Then we got into Darren Rouse and he was talking content marketing. You love this, didn't you? 
I did, man. Yeah, I got heaps of killer tips out of this. I mean, I don't do... Uh, we, obviously, we do this podcast, but uh, for my blog, you know, I, I hire a content marketer to help. But um, yeah, I am going to be screen grabbing the recording and, and send it to my uh, content marketer because he just had killer tip after killer tip. But yeah, what were the, some of the keys that stood out for you? Well, hang on a minute. I think we do do you do do content. I mean, you do this podcast. That's I mean, the I content said, yeah. doesn't have to be necessarily a blog. He spoke in context of a blog, right? Exactly. Yeah, because he's a blogger. He's a yeah, well renowned yeah. blogger. And he did excuse himself for being that. So, <laughs> uh, look, look, it's pretty obvious, right? But provide massively high value. You know, identify who you're talking to and dig deep. You know, when you think you've given them enough value, give them more, right? Mm. And that's going to create successful content. What else have you got? Yeah, absolutely. So the other thing is like, yeah, like give them high quality, like you've just mentioned, but from the point of view that you you really want to target your demographic, you want to niche down, even have a really strong opinion about your content that that can certainly help. But yeah, just really uh, understand your target market and and topic, for instance, like he's got a a, a blog on photography, essentially, like how to use um, digital photography, cameras, etc. And yeah, from what I gather, he's got like hundreds and hundreds of thousands of followers, because he has really strong opinions, and he really talks in depth about individual topics and just takes it to a whole new new level yeah he, he, look he identifies who he's talking to and finds out what they need help with and he really gets into that you know and he also says you know there's different types of content you can create i mean you can inform people of things so you can be a bit of a news channel you can inspire people you know tell the successes and how to you know how to get higher than they currently are or you can just have simple interactions you know where you're inspiring them to to communicate and be part of what's going on Mm-hmm. Nice. So next, Chris Dufay. Yes. Um, so he implemented what he learnt at the previous Superfast Business Live event, Live 10, I think it was. And so, yeah, he's, he's basically teaching people how to... He calls it message market media. So think about your message first and then try and talk directly to your market. I guess it's similar to Darren Rouse as well, his blog post um, approach. But this is like when you're talking about creating a, a product and you know and so you basically want to have a message that matches your your market and then think about also how you might want to deliver that so you know your preferred choice of media uh, but just the way he, he rounded it all out was by this thing called the the OODA loop which um, is a military term and it's like a perpetual upward motion that keeps you moving closer to your target or goal so for instance like in the military they would shoot and then they would move and then they communicate and then repeat and keep moving closer to the goals so this message market media match is where you would start and then you just keep refining it over time until you've got that um, perfect solution to someone's problem essentially nice it's it's great the way you framed it as a loop right because a lot of people think it's a a magic bullet do it once and it'll all you know it'll all come to you but it's not true you need to constantly iterate and you need to be reviewing and keep doing it over and over and over again Exactly. Spot on. Yeah. And just, yes, keep iterating. Another thing he, uh, this thing really resonated with me and I heard it throughout, you know, the event with um, various speakers, but if you're selling services, it's better, it's, it's hard to put a buy now button on your site. You know, it really is. Um, you, you haven't built trust yet. So what he's saying here is buy versus, versus apply. So if you put an apply button on your site, for instance, um, A, you're going to be able to filter the people that apply for your services, but B, um, you're going to be able to 
build trust with them like on a phone conversation or Skype or whatever the case is, and that will help with sales conversions. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so what, what you're basically saying is don't try and force the sales, the sale, yeah. but have somebody come and request to be part of the journey that you can take them on. Yeah, absolutely. Now, the next guy, <laughs> the next guy was a good friend of mine, Greg Merrilees. <laughs> <laughs> I did speak on stage for the first time in my life in front of, what, 200-odd people there? And you were awesome. And you know what? I actually, you and I were reviewing our notes, right? And I didn't actually write any notes <laughs> for you because I'm very familiar with your work. And I just wrote rocks, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, <laughs> oh, great, right? Man. But in, in basically what you did, right, is that you took a bunch of web design case studies and went through them one at a time, showing the elements of conversion, like how you can improve on a web design. And the interesting thing I found was that not all the web designs started off as bad designs. You know, they weren't all absolutely crap. You'd look at them and go, oh, that's okay, mm -hmm. right? Um, but when you saw how they'd been redesigned with all the right elements in it, you could see how much more powerful your, a website can actually be, you yeah. know. Uh, and you used a, a metaphor of a cake, you I know. Now, people might bake their own little cake at home every now and then, but nobody bakes their own wedding cake, you know. You've really got to do the same with your website. It's not a DIY thing. I mean, you might use a template or a DIY service for a minimum viable product, but really... If you don't have all the critical ingredients, right, it's going to be flat, it's not going to taste good, and no one's going to want to eat it. Exactly. Not, they're not going to eat your website, but you get the point, right? Exactly. So pay for a high-converting website design and make it unique to yourself. I don't want to sound like I'm selling Greg services, <laughs> but in general, you know, you the really need to, you need to find an expert. Yeah, the point you. is I use case studies that showed by having a, a you know, a better design – gets a better result. So you're really doing yourself a disservice if you don't invest in good design. If you're an established business, that is. Don't do it yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Next up. Peter Moriarty, a good buddy of both yours and mine. Yeah, he's awesome, man. He has an awesome business. He's in, don't hold this against him, he's in IT, right? But he helps <laughs> small businesses, you know, get get uh, better systems in place, particularly around cloud stuff. And he's but, so good at it. Like, oh, he is so knowledgeable, isn't he? Yeah. You know, he doesn't look like your average IT geek you know, or sound like your average IT geek. Yeah. I mean, he just, he loves Google, you know, but... Um, he does. You can just have a five-minute conversation with him and the amount of stuff that you can learn in that five minutes and, you know, we all use Google and and all the apps, etc. but, man, his knowledge is a, a, a step above everybody else. So he was really talking about how he leveraged up his business recently. So here are come some of the things. He reiterated what we talked about with Dan Dobos, which is turn off your damn notifications, right? <laughs> the world's Did you see the, the screen that he put up of his um, how his phone looked in 2011 versus 2016? Yeah, he'd actually hacked his phone <laughs> so he could have ex extra icons on the bottom because he was so <laughs> proud of how many notifications he was getting, right? <laughs> so turn them off. You know, you don't need them. Create yourself a nice, simple, easy communication funnel or channel and, uh, you know, get into the stuff that's really important. Essentialism. Yeah. Just do the best. Less but better. That's my favourite term at the moment for essentialism. Nice. But he uses Rescue Time, which you and I are both a fan of, mm -hmm. which is an app that runs in the background and basically sends you a report every week telling you 
what you were doing online and, and gives you a productivity score. I do like his thing where he says, you know, say no twice for every yes, yeah, which is good. just, I think, habit building of only taking on the most important things. Yeah, what absolutely. else have we got? No, the NOAA principle, which is, uh, like, for instance, if you're hiring somebody, train two people or hire two people at once instead of one. So it's that one of them's redundant if you know the other one goes south. Yeah, the NOAA principle really is about redundancy and just having... Uh, a set for every person you have in your business somebody else needs to know what they do you know so that if any time they need to take holidays or you need to promote them or they move on you don't have this big gaping vacuum in your business right? yeah another thing he talked about was uh, working out a formula for uh, he, he showed the formula for working out your effective hourly rate and that's something that can be quite scary you work out the amount of you know hours you work in a, a month or a week or a year and work out how much income you've got and then essentially divide it uh, and that's your effective hourly rate. So, yeah, you might <laughs> you might want to do that exercise, and you might be very surprised with the result. Yeah, absolutely. And if you want more detail on that, you just like I said, it's in super fast business. So go and have a look. That was really interesting. The effective hourly rate, and I think that's something that a lot of service businesses and designers struggle with. You know, knowing how much to charge and what the opportunity cost is of doing the wrong things. So, mm -hmm. you know what. I think we're going to do Ezra because Ezra was the end of day one and we might have to leave it there and come back for part two. All right. Well, Ezra is a previous guest here and he was awesome. Do you want to kick him off? What did oh, he say? Oh, man, yeah. He's an e-commerce absolute gun, as you probably know if you've listened to a podcast where we had him interviewed. But he actually showed a real-life e-commerce funnel case study. And, you know, it all starts with one successful offer. Um, he talked about, he showed us, you know, how he attracts his audience, um, you know, in the Facebook, for instance, the Facebook advertising platform. And that, that, that was interesting because he said you don't need a massive audience. It's just yeah. going to be the right targeted right, targeted exactly relevant yeah you got it. it's all about relevance and then you know you might also split test your audiences by certain devices obviously you know mobiles are way more popular than than ever these days well he actually took it a step further and he said not split test but you should split your advertising by device because in different markets people have different usage habits so you can actually work out which devices uh, are having the most success for you whether it's mobile or otherwise he did and then he showed some examples of the ads that he would use and the thing that he found that works the best are faces so faces work you know get the most clicks and there's a certain type of face that works even better and that's a cartoon style illustration yeah, so look, I agree with him. I think faces sell wherever possible. I love to put a face into our, our designs. Um, but it's faces looking at the camera, which was very specific. And then he split tests the photo versus a cartoon version of it. And he seems to have great success. But these aren't definite. You have to test them, obviously. Exactly. Every mark is different, yeah. And then he showed how you know you send this paid traffic from you know, any one of these four major platforms that he used which was pinterest facebook instagram and what was the fourth one l uh sorry which ones we've got facebook instagram pinterest yeah there's one more that he uses it doesn't matter we can <laughs> we'll put in the show notes we'll put in the show notes twitter 
Twi- was it Twitter? Yeah. It might, it might have been Twitter. I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, okay. Anyway, um, but he's saying that you've got to send this paid traffic not to an actual product because if you've got an e-commerce business and it's, you just send them to a product page, people aren't sold yet, right? So what you have to do is send them to a pre-sale page where this is pretty much educational content, almost like a blog post, if you like, that then alludes to your product as the solution to the problem, which is the reason they, they went to that blog post in the first place. So it's very clever. You're warming them up. You're building authority, building trust, and then you would send them to your product page. So yeah. I, mean, yeah. I think the key to that, though, Greg, was he's saying sell the click to the content, then the content sells the product. Exactly. Right? So if you apply that to a designer, somebody might be looking at, um, you know, what are the important elements in packaging design? Right, so you don't want to send, you don't want to show an ad that says, "Do you want to buy packaging design?" Mm-hmm. What you want to do is say, "Here's the top ten tips for packaging design," and then when you get them there, you can move them through to a sale. So exactly. a lot of people are trying to sell, like use their paid traffic to take you straight to the buy button on a on a checkout. Yeah, exactly. And then he showed the back end. So once you've got the sale, it doesn't stop there. So this is all part of his funnel. I mean, obviously. He uses retargeting or remarketing pixels as well for people that aren't quite ready to buy yet and then, you know, show ads all around the internet. But if they have purchased, um, that's just part of it. So what he does is he will use upsells and cross-sells and post-purchase email sequences to get more engagement, to get them to share his content and to essentially... Uh, you know, build more trust and get them to buy something else. So you can still get multiple sales out of one customer, even if you don't have a recurring business model. You know, the really interesting part about that that I found was that if somebody didn't buy, let's say they clicked from an ad to an article, right? What he then does is he shows them another ad, but in a different media format. Mm. So to try and get them to click through to a video to see if they engage better with a video or a podcast or something like that. So just because somebody doesn't buy the first time, why not? Give them the same information again in a different format and see if that engages them better. Yeah. yeah. So that brings us to the end of day one, which was exhausting, wasn't it? It was a huge (laughs) day. And then we all uh, hung out for drinks and dinner and uh, had a great time. It can be overwhelming, these events. So, you know, we'll give you our killer tips at the end of next episode. How's that sound? Definitely. And look, let me just say... Get out of the get out of your office and go to some live events because apart from all this great information, how many fantastic people did we meet, Greg? Oh, that's yeah, that's absolute the truth. Like honestly, I, I reckon I met at least a hundred people that I had good, you know, lengthy conversations with. So yeah, it's really good for personal growth and for business. Definitely. All right. Thank you very much, listener. Stay tuned for part two. Yeah, we'll catch you on the next episode. Head over to therealmagic.com. If you're not already on our um, list to be notified of new episodes, just sign up there. Promise not to spam you, and we'll chat soon. You got it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to The Real Magic Podcast. Hear more at therealmagic.com.